Blog Talk Radio. It's the talk with, it's the talk with Mike and Everybody, yes, it is me, Micah, and I'm back again and here for another impromptu talk with Micah and Friends podcast. Now, I know you guys are used to me going live and, you know, getting all of you tuned in at one time, but I'm actually going back old school, you know, the way in which I started back in December of 2013. And to be honest with you, I really can't believe that it's been, what, four years now? Yeah, four years, four years and a couple of days. And um, while there have been some amazing, some monumental moments there, there have also, or I'll say this, while there have been some monumental moments, there are still some uncovered, undiscovered issues and topics of which I have not even begun to attack. So this season of the Talk with Mike and Friends, might I add, it's my third season and my 64th episode. So get it right. I'm not new to this. This is my third season and my 64th episode. One day, hopefully, we'll be at 100. Um, but it'll be somewhat different, but I'm still going to actually allow you to advertise on the show if you would like. And for more information regarding advertising, you can simply email thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. That's thetalkwithmica at gmail.com. Um, we'll still have those iconic interviews from time to time, you know, that we have with the title holders and, you know, the, the advocates and all of that. Um, but I also wanted to focus more on our community as a whole, and create some conversations surrounding much more than just the obvious. And, again, if you have any um, ideas, you can email me still at thetalkwithmike at gmail.com. I'm open to anything, almost anything. So now this season, I'm actually hoping to reach into the ballroom community, you know, for more of an understanding there. Um, I want to gain a broader perspective from, like, CEOs and owners and promoters within our patentry world and community, and also allow you, the audience, who may not hold titles, who may not be icons, who may not be activists or strong advocates in the community, to get you a piece of the mic here at the Talk with Mike and Friends. So please stay tuned for that. Now, before we actually really dig deep into tonight's show, I want to get you all updated on a new series I'll be starting, okay? Actually, two series, one of which starts tonight. But the one that I would like to highlight now, I'm actually going to need you guys to help because if you don't help and you don't join in, this, this particular series will not be a success. So hopefully you guys, you know, kind of help me with this one. Have you guys ever heard of Dear Abby or the Dear Abby Letters, um, which was actually the advice column by Pauline Phillips. Now, Pauline actually wrote under, under the pen name Abigail Van Buren. Or how about, I'll take you a step further, how about Steve Harvey's Strawberry Letter? you know, which is also, you know, an advice column, but it was an on-air advice column, okay? So we're going to do uh, an on-air version of that, okay? And, you know, with, with Steve Harvey and with Dear Abby, you know, people were actually, you know, seeking advice or guidance concerning what? Anything under God's given son. I mean, from, hey, my dog won't eat to, you know, my man is cheating. What should I do? So that's what we want to do here at, at, um, at the Talk with Mike and Friends. So 
I'm actually going to be starting a series called Dear Micah. That's right, Dear Micah. You all will now have your chance to email me whatever issue, whatever situation, whatever problem to a specified email address strictly for the on-air advice series. You, that's right, you will be able to email your letter anonymously if you prefer or if you want to have your information attached, you know, your government or your, your stage name or who or whatever name you go by, it's, it's perfectly fine. But if you want to be anonymous, that's totally up to you, okay? Now, the great thing about it is rather I know who it's from or not, no one will know who the letter is from, okay? That information will never be disclosed on air or, you know, with other parties, okay? So once the letter is read aloud to the listening audience, you know, once I receive it in my inbox, I scan it, okay, it's a good one, I'm going to put it on the air, you know, once we do that, and I did say we, <laughs> we're going to break the letter down piece by piece and have a discussion surrounding your letter, okay? So each Dear Micah show, here's, here's where the we part comes into play. Each Dear Micah show, I will have a special guest who will serve as my co-host for that particular show. And we're actually going to give you guys a real, raw, and uncut advice on your particular issue. Now, I must be very, very clear. Now, no matter who that special guest may be, they will never read or be sent the letter ahead of time. They're actually going to hear it aloud for the very first time right on the air, just like, just like the listening audience, okay? Now, I honestly think that if you guys really get involved, this could actually be another great series. Now, depending on how much buzz the actual Dear Micah series gets, we may even move it to a live version, a live show version, and allow you, the listening audience, to provide some good advice, some good feedback, and some unfiltered commentary. So, here's, here's, here's the juicy part. If you're seeking advice or guidance concerning anything from personal topics, career decisions, marriage issues, dating issues, social problems, family problems, money situations, pageantry dilemmas, ballroom, whatever it is, email me or email us at dearmica at mail.com. That's dearmica, D-E-A-R-M-I-C-A-H, at mail.com, not Gmail, mail, M-A-I-L, okay? So once again, that's dearmica at mail.com. Now here's a disclaimer. You must start your email with, Dear Micah, tell me what you think about this. Again, you have to start your email with, Dear Micah, tell me what you think about this. And from there, you go ahead and lay your story out. You know, please leave no stone unturned. I recommend you writing the story out and make it as plain as day so that we can provide you the best advice based on what's been provided by you. Okay? So, again, Dear Micah, tell me what you think about this. Now, another great element of the show is that, hey, me and my co-host, whoever they may be, might not give or recommend the same advice. But that's when we'll sit down, we'll talk, we'll talk it out, and we'll make sure that at the end of the night you are left with the best advice possible for your situation. So, again, send those letters to dearmicah at mail.com. And if I can get at least five to six letters to start, that will be great, and we can have our first series, okay? So I'll be waiting. Now, I've said a lot. My mouth is dry. I need to go ahead and drink my, drink my wine, even though that's probably going to, you know, make my mouth a little drier. Um, but I need to go ahead and drink me some juice, drink me some wine or whatever, whatever I have juice and wine up here. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. And while I'm doing that, we're going to pay some bills. You're going to hear some announcements, and then we'll come back with my new series that I'll be introducing coming out. So stay tuned.
Good day, thinkers, thought leaders, progressives, and dreamers. I am Craig, the writer, Stewart, and I'm the host of a brand new podcast called So Much to Say. We talk about black shit, white shit, gay shit, and everything in between. Every single Monday, we're available in SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you can listen to a podcast. Oh, and I'm also the author of three books. The first is Words Never Spoken, a memoir. The second, One Thing for Certain, Two Things for Sure, a memoir continued. And my brand new book, So Much to Say, a book of quotes. All available now in all e-readers, Amazon.com. For more on me, visit www.CraigTheWriterStewart.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm A.L. And I'm, and I'm C. C. And we, and we are the Accelerator Twins. And check out our brand new single, If You Let Me, today on iTunes. If you let me today on iTunes or visit our website, www.etceteratwins.com. Hello, everyone. This is Makai St. James Dickerson, your reigning Mr. Black Universe for the year 2017-2018. You're listening to The Talk with Micah and Friends. everyone welcome back welcome back now as i explained at the start of this podcast i'm introducing several new and several different series on the talk with micah platform one is their micah which i talked about just not too long ago and the other of which i'm introducing tonight is coming out so thank you diana ross for that lovely song i i jam to that all the time um i noticed that you know through all of my conversations and my discussions either online or offline I've never really discussed, even with my friends, coming out of the closet, as they say. But honestly, coming out as being part of the LGBTQ spectrum. 
You know, some people have had great and accepting experiences coming out, while others have had disturbing traumatic experiences coming out. Some people were able to safely and securely walk out of the closet, and then there are others who have been forced out of the closet without permission or just being ready to present that side of themselves to the world. So I thought that it would be a great and good idea to touch beyond the surface with different men and women of the LGBT community and also gain a perspective from their coming out stories. And even those who decide to share their stories, lead the conversation, possibly having a brand new outlook on their own situation. And that tends to happen, especially when it's something that you haven't been forced to speak about, especially on a large platform. So today, as my guinea pigs for the very first uh, coming out series on the Thomas Mike and Friends, I've invited two individuals to start it off. Um, and also, you know, after listening to this podcast, if you have a story of your own that you feel should be heard, feel free to email me at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com or hit me up, you know, on Facebook, Micah Pierce, M-I-C-A-H, P-I-E-R-C-E, and say, hey, Micah, I have a story I, I want to tell, and I would love to be a part of your story, I mean, be, be a part of your show. At that point, you know, I'll get, you know, your story, I'll, I'll get a little bit, just little, you know, pieces of it, and then say, hey, I, th- I think that'll be a great idea, and I'll bring you on, and you have your very own episode. How about that? Okay, so again, the talk with Micah at gmail.com or Micah Pierce on Facebook, okay? So now that you have the premise and the purpose for the new series, let's welcome our very first guest, a millennial. I like to call him a millennial with an old soul, <laughs> Mr. DeCarlos from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or who now resides in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. How are you all? <laughs> well, I, I, maybe maybe to themselves, they'll say, we're doing fine, but you won't be able to hear them. <laughs> so you see how I open that up? But uh, no, no, thank you, thank you so very much, to Carlos. Um, I, I'll call you Carlos. Uh, I, um, I first want to say thank you for joining me on tonight, and and I want to say thank you again for being the first to come out on the top with Micah. Okay, um, I'm not going to pro- <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm not going to prolong the prelude, but just give you the floor with your story. So because everyone's story is different and more complex, I want to make sure that you that you are able to tell your story as open and as honest as you know it and be open to, you know, me asking a couple questions as you go throughout your conversation or as you go through the conversation or as you go through your story as well as after. Um, so is that fine with you on tonight? Did I ask you some questions here and there if I have any? Yes, that's fine. Okay, good. Great. So go ahead, um, Carlos. Tell me a little bit about who you are, where you're from, all that jazz, and then we'll begin with your, your, your background as far as, you know, coming into this community and um, and your story. Okay, well, my name is Carlos Todd. I currently live in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I work for Marriott. I'm 24 years of age. Um, I'm currently in a relationship with the love of my life. Um, his name is Sean Hawkins. Um, and I'm four classes from having a hospitality degree. However, I am a manager at Marriott now, so I'm very excited about getting my degree as well as continuing my career in hospitality management. Okay, great, 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 great. And good luck. Um, on, so you said you're four classes away? Yes. Okay, so that means you, you're not far along from, from getting that degree. So we definitely want to um, wish you well on that and congrats um, for what, what I'm sure is to come. So, so tell me, DeCarlos, um, when did you know 
I think that's that's always the, the, the question that even, you know, your parents or, you know, your aunties, uncles, cousins, or whoever, they want to know, like, those that are not. They always want to say, well, when did you know that you were gay? When did, what, what, you know, so, so how did you know that? Or how do you know that you're gay? So, so tell me about that little story. Like, how did that start again? Well, I'll start with I, when I first knew I was attracted to men. Um, I was actually three years old, and when I tell people that, they really don't believe it, but it's been that long. I, I'm from the Mississippi Delta, so gay men aren't really seen around, or it's very scarce down there of, you know, having gay people. So I really didn't know many people like myself growing up, um, but let me, I'm going too far. Okay, I was three years old, and my aunt used to always take me over her friend's house. And um, she had a daughter, and she had a son. Play with both of them, you know. And um, I found myself liking the boy. And, you know, as as kids, you know, we develop, and we know right from wrong, and I knew that it was mm-hmm. wrong, um, but I continued to do it because it was something that I liked. And with time, you know, I started to realize, like, I like men. So that's when I realized, would you like me to continue, or would you like for me to um, – would you like to ask me another question? But that's no, no, keep going. Yeah, go ahead, keep going. Okay, and um, moving forward, um, I had a father who I would I would I would use a strong term. He hated gay men. He he hated gay men. Like at the sight of them, you know, he would be angered or upset. You know what I'm saying? Without even speaking to him, if he just saw him, he hated them. You know what I'm saying? So I knew that it was something that I would have have to use to my advantage, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it wasn't going to be an easy coming out when that time came when I was younger, you know. So, as I said, you know, it wasn't many gay people um, in my community, in the area where I lived, so I had no nobody been to. I thought I was a loner because I didn't know anyone else that was like me for years, you know, and I wasn't a sheltered child. I've always been able to, you know, be free. Um, and it was about, I think I was eight or ninth grade, I finally met a friend, and um, he was like me. His name was Darius Butler, um, and I finally felt, I finally knew I wasn't the only one. And we just, we had so many secrets, and we didn't, like, have sexual intercourse or anything. He was literally a friend. And something traumatic happened to him when we were in high school, he was dating someone older, and both of his parents were on the police force. And um, I was ninth grade, so he was only tenth grade. And um, instead of, you know, his parents were for the law, worked for the law enforcement, and instead of them, you know, when they caught the man in the house with their son, they didn't just, you know, arrest him. They, mm-hmm. like, brutally beat him and made the news and everything. So They beatily they they brutally, they, they, they be, well, they brutally beat who? Who was it that the they beat that up? They caught, they caught with their son. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So okay. then it, it terrified me. So I I never I didn't know how to come out after that. You know, I, right now I'm a freshman in high school. Uh, my best friend, who is the only person that knows about me, you know, saying he's going through this traumatic incident at such a young age. It made like news and everything. So and then our parents were friends. So I was like, oh my gosh, I know if this was to ever happen to me, you know. Um, I won't be able to handle it. So that's when I had to, you know, use it as my advantage and um, use it to my advantage. I'm sorry. So I knew that at that point I, there was no coming out 
at a young age to my family. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to actually live freely until I was um, becoming a young man. And because because of that experience with your friends? Because of that experience, okay. yes. Okay. At that time, you know, I knew I was attracted to men, but I wasn't, like, you know, sexually active that young. Right. So uh, moving forward, um, I would like to say I was in college. So this one I actually came out. Okay. Um, I was in college. And um, I started to patronize the gay bars when I was a freshman in college because I did want to wait until I was out of my parents' house at least to start, you know, start dating uh, males because, one, I've always respected my parents. You know, they were my only providers. I don't come from a big family. And I knew that if I didn't have them, I wasn't going to be able to survive that young. So I had to use it to my advantage. Um, But moving forward, I started going to the gay bars and, um, I actually used to J-set, and I hmm. used to be in club dancing and all of that. And I've always been intelligent. So I was like, you know, I have to tell somebody. I have to tell somebody. And ironically, I've always been able to talk to my mom. And um, a rumor came out of my hometown my freshman year that my parents had shunned me and my best friend's parents had shunned him. This is another friend of mine I'm talking about now. Had shunned them, shunned him when we haven't even came out to our parents yet, period. And she was like, well, the Collins, don't worry about that, dot, 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 dot. And she said, well, are you? And in the back of my mind, I said, Carlos, you're starting to live life on your own. You're starting to make decisions on your own. And you don't, you don't want anything to happen to you and your parents find out that way. And mm-hmm. by the way, I come from uh, I, both of my parents are still married, so I come from a household where both of my parents and my mom has always been very loyal to my father. So it was, it it took a big deal out of me to to actually express it to her. And I told her, I said, you know, I told her I was curious. I just couldn't fix my mouth to tell her yes, you know. But I'm sure by telling her I was curious, she understood. And we had a big crying session, and we went through what we went through. I would go home, and I come from a very Christian family as well, so I would get, you know, the prayer gate, pray the gay away emails. Mm. I would get, like, so many different things, and I would never read them because I feel like God is love, and I don't, you know, I don't really get into all of that. But mm-hmm. moving forward, um, that was in 2012 when um, I told her. So you, so, you told, so you told your mom in 2012? 2012, yes, and I, okay. I just begged her because she wasn't the one I was afraid of because uh-huh. I just wasn't I wasn't afraid of her. It was my dad because I knew like we would go to the college sweat games. My mom, she's a graduate uh, from Mississippi Valley State as well as mm-hmm. my dad, so we would always go to the college games and stuff. And you know, I'm not if you haven't been to a Jackson State game, there's always a group of homosexuals dancing at the top of the stage. Mm. Uh, imitating the Prince and Jay Seth or another college dance team. And just he would look up there and just, why are they doing that, da, 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 and just rant and just, it'll mess up his whole mood. But knowing on the inside, I'm one of those people that you have right. so much of that hate for. So, you know, I knew it just wasn't going to go well. Well, anyway, um, it was in 2013 when he first found out. Um, and I remember the days where I would upload pictures to Facebook and I had started to, you know, accept my gay friends that I would make in the community and mm. um, some of the drag queens I would meet in the club and I would have to sit there for hours and just watch my pictures and if they would come in I would delete it or if they were 
post me as an MCM, I would just delete it or remove my tag or anything. And, you know, I started to pay my own bills. You know what I'm saying? It seems as if the more I started to become a responsible young adult, the more, the less I cared about anyone's opinion. And um, one day I just stopped deleting. And uh, he took it upon himself to go to someone's page that posts me as an MCM. And just so happened, it was a drag queen. And, you know, I didn't discriminate. If you want to post me as an MCM, that's fine. You know, right. I was at the point then that this is who I am. Was I strong enough to face him? No, but I knew that it was time. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, um, he missed, you know, he called me while I was at work. This is when I first started working for Marriott in 2013. And he was like, son, what's MCM? And I said, Man Crush Monday. And he's like, well, why is X, Y, and Z posting you with some, some, some? And, you know, I start trembling like it, was, like he put fear in me. Right. I don't know. And uh, um, he was like, boy, don't play with me. Is you like that, dot, 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 dot? So I stood up to him as a man, and I told him, yeah. You know, I just, I, I got sick of it. I was so fed of, mm. of living uncomfortable for other people. And I feel that that's a problem in our society, you know, kids. Um, they have to live uncomfortable for so long, you know, pleasing others, pleasing society, you know, and that's something that I have to had to go through, and that's something I refuse to do again for anybody till this day. But I don't want to get off track. Um, well, let me let me let me let me let me ask you this question real quick. So, so do you feel like you were in in that in that moment do you, with your father? Do you feel like you were forced to come out unexpectedly? Um, no, I actually thought my mom would have told him long before. Like I said, okay. she's always been very loyal um, to her husband, so I was actually very grateful. Um, even that she didn't say anything. Either. Yeah, I was just grateful that she didn't say anything. She let us have our own moment because I feel like that instance, instance was needed. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2013, and she, she – I he would just message me and the message I still have to say to this day and it's kind of my motivation and though I have forgave him mm-hmm. you can forgive but you can never forget and mm-hmm. I won't read the whole message but in so many words he said I hate motherfuckers like that you included and you know what I'm saying I understand oh, wow. that people say things out of anger you know mm-hmm. but and I know he really didn't mean it you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but as I described earlier he's always hated homosexual people and, you know, anything that acted of the homosexual nature. So it was it was rough. And, you know, okay. um, I would like to, you know, and I, like I said, I've always, I came up in a Christian family and, um, yeah, it was just hard. And that's when I well, turned to smoking weed, you know. You know, I had to find some peace, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, drugs are bad, and drugs are mm-hmm. this, drugs are this, and that's how mm-hmm. I had to cope with the situation. You know, okay. and um, we recently, maybe in like 2015, just started back. You know, communicating. You know, kind of frequently, and you know, it wasn't. It was just something that we didn't discuss anymore. But he loved, and I'm his only son, by the way. I'm his only child, by the way. Okay. So that was very. I think it's more so. You know. I'm his only son, you know what I'm saying, and he wanted to build build a legacy, which he still can, but I think it was he felt like less of a man, like he didn't do his job, being that I was his only son. So I could understand, however, I couldn't make an excuse for who I was. So, 
that's like the total coming out deal. Now, it has been some stuff afterwards, but that's the coming out deal. Okay. So, so, let, so, so let, let me dig deep just for a little bit. Okay. Because I have, I've been writing notes, as I always do, I'm writing notes here, and I'm going to try to tackle as much as I can from what I've scribbled, scrabbled on this paper. Um, but I want to, I want to stay where we are with your father. Um, you know, and again, I'm not, I, I don't, I didn't go to school for being a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a therapist or anything of that nature. But I've always had my own outlook, my own thinking as it pertains to men who just continuously still have some type of disgust. And I know that we're talking about your father, so I want to make sure that I, I am as, as uh, kind <laughs> and as gentle with, with discussing a person's parent. But um, I want to ask you, have you ever, I'm sure you have, have you thought about why he, is it religion? Is it a religious thing? Or if not, why do you think he has such a, a, a disgust towards the homosexual community or just homo, or, or, or homosexual men? What do you think that derives from? Where did that come from? Uh, one, um, I think it was what he was taught growing up. I would say okay. that Cleveland. I'm I'm originally from Cleveland, Mississippi, okay. where well he's from an even smaller town. And I actually looked up the population before we got on this call. He's from mm-hmm. a town called Duncan, Mississippi, and it was it was very it's very small. The population right now is only 401 people, so we're talking wow. about very small. Everybody knows everybody. Pretty much. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad is the definition of what I would consider like a hardworking heterosexual male. I'm not going to say a hardworking man because I feel like I'm a hardworking man and I'm a homosexual. So I would say right. a hardworking heterosexual male. And okay. um, he was first, he, he's very prideful. Um, he was the first man in his entire family to finish college. Um, and I think it was some things maybe, you know, he didn't see a lot of things growing up, you know, like how I said, I didn't see a lot of gay people. I think he, in his head, it was like, if you're gay, you want to be a woman. You know what I'm saying? We, okay. we know different kinds of gay, you know, I'm okay. sure he hasn't seen many transsexuals being from the Mississippi Delta. I'm sure he hasn't seen, you know, um, well, he's probably seen more so like cross dressers, um, what we what we know as you know punks and sissies, and I wouldn't put myself in any of those categories. You know, as a homosexual male, I feel like that's a whole different level of I ain't gonna say level of gay because gay is gay, but you get what I'm saying. It's like right. I'm not what he think it is in his head. So I think it's more so a mental deal instead of getting to know who I am. And I feel like right now that's where we are currently. It's nothing that's just feel like now he he's at a point in life where he has to understand who his child is and not who, what he thinks of the word gay is in his head. You get what I'm saying? Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. Um, okay, no. So someone was messaging me and it just startled me. No, I get that. So um, let – do I want to stay on him? Yeah, I do want to, I want to ask another question. Um, you are in a relationship, as you said, uh, with the love of your life, as you put it, and, um, and that's wonderful and great, you know, and I love all of that, you know. So, and I know that when we are, um, as, even as we grow up, you know, no matter where we think about marrying a woman or having kids or if we, you know, are at that stage where we know a, a marrying a woman is not a thing for us, but being with a man is, or a, a boy or, you know, at that time is what we're thinking about, we, we eventually 
think about, you know, having a family and all of that. And, and we, we think about or, or we feel like when we are getting to know someone, we're in a relationship with someone, that our family is going to be accepting of it. You know, I, I think that that's, that's when, you, when, you, when you're coming into age, that's what you think about. You don't think about the man's perspective or the woman's perspective. It's just about I want to be married and I, and I want, you know, people to come to my stuff. And I want my, I want my, my parents there to support it. So being that you're in a relationship, and um, from what I know it's been, um, you know, a few years now, you know, and you come to that point, you come to that plateau of, you know, tying the knot, you know, being engaged, going, going to be married, being partners, how important is it to you to have the acceptance or the final acceptance of not only your mother but also your father of your family, your new family, and that family being you and, and your partner? Or is it impo- or is it even important? I would. It's important, but I I've grown to the, not not let anything bother me. Um, as I stated earlier, I felt that I lived uncomfortably for so long that I mm-hmm. just refused to let anyone put me in any type of discomfort. And as I said, love is love, so I can't allow you know anyone's judgment to discourage me. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's important, but only to a certain extent. I would have to say. I would love that. It'll, it'll, like, make everything come to full circle, you know what I'm saying? But I mm-hmm. feel like with, under, with better understanding, um, it'll, have, it'll have a great – I feel like this relationship and my whole story and everything that's went on with me and my dad, it'll be a beautiful ending. I do believe that. And, and, and I love that you said that because I was thinking it at the same time of when you say understanding because I feel like, you know – we come from very small areas. You know, I come from Middle Beach, South Carolina, that area, you know, which is a hot vacation spot, but at the same time, you know, it's still a little country place or whatever. Um, and so they have the same mentality. A lot of the, the men and, and the women, they have the same mentality. And, and at the same token, a lot of the older ones, and I'll say those that, that, are, that were born in the 60s and the 70s, you know, and, you know, they, they have this. I would say 50s, 60s, 70s, they have this mentality of what they think a gay man is. And like you said, you know, you, you, they think that all gay men want to be women and this, that, and the other. And so when you talk about the understanding piece of it, I feel like because you are not that, I know you personally, you are not what society has been. Because a lot of people feel like what society has put on, on, on platforms, on TV, as what a black gay man is. People are in, there's a lot of people who are in, in disgust with that, but I also feel like a person like you, who is not, you don't wear heels, you don't wear makeup, you know what I'm saying? You don't, honey, you know, you, you have, you, you're just a regular guy, you know what I'm saying? Who just happens to love and 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 deal with the same sex, you know, in that retrospect. So I feel like your your with your father with those that are born like the 50s and the 60s and early 70s that still have that mentality you are the example so to speak to I feel like he will he like you said he will come into an understanding of who you are and while he may not be as accepting as a whole to every aspect that is gay you know because there's a, there's different variations of who we who people are as gay men and gay women or whatever that he will have a eventually have a respect for who you are because you are his son. And he will come he will eventually come to that understanding of this is my son. I love him. This is who he loves. This is who makes him happy. That's not to say that I'm going to all all accept everybody in America 
and accept what it is. But at the end of the day, this is this is my child. This is my only child and my only son. You know, and 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 that's why I feel like. What I've seen over the years with other people is that while the parents don't necessarily accept the entire, you know, spectrum of LGBTQ, when it comes down to their children who they love, who are they who they are supposed to love unconditionally, they then get a different, you know, what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? They get a different understanding and respect, and it's like, okay, well, I can't get go with all that, but that's my son, and I'm gonna love him, I'm gonna respect him, and you know, um, if that's what he likes, and that's what he likes, you know. And so hopefully I feel like that will happen. But it's just a matter of time, you know. And it's still fairly new. It's still fairly new. So, yeah. Um, you said, okay, I'm just looking for you here. Um, what, I had an, I, so I'm trying to read some of my little stuff. Um, and I understand. I, I felt like, like you said, because one of the questions that I had in my head was like, well, is he terrified of coming out? But then when you, when you – Describe the story with your your friend who you know had that that situation. You know, I I can imagine being terrified. But I, the, uh, a good question that I have for you because I know that it was for me, and I'll ask my other guest. You know, when he, when he comes on. But uh, growing up, knowing who you are, you figured out okay, I gay, I, I I'm gay, I like men or whatever, and um, or I like guys or whatever. Um, did you see yourself? Like, did you see yourself ostracizing? yourself or distancing yourself from other gays in your school ex- except for your friends um, to make sure that people didn't label you as that or did it even matter to you? Um, at one point I did. Um, when, when that happened with my first best friend, uh, he actually moved. It was, he only had, at the time he was in the 10th grade and he only had like a baby sister and he made like, the news, so it was like he was embarrassed. So he mm. ended up leaving um, our hometown. He moved away, and we lost all contact. So, again, I was, like, all alone. And um, I was very athletic, so I always played sports, and um, I've always, I was in the band, I was in the choir, I played basketball, I played tennis, I ran track. So I was never, like, this extra flamboyant person Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And my my friends that I currently, I'm sorry, my friends that I was currently hanging with, then I knew for a fact that they weren't, you know, gay. So I didn't have nobody else. And the people that I knew that were gay, because you know, I feel like we know our own kind. I yeah. didn't hang with them. Right. And it wasn't a junior year of high school. The person that I'm currently best friends with now. Um, when we made friends, he was like, even though he was gay, everybody loved him. Like. He's always been like, if you want a good laugh, he was going to go around Trey. If you want to mm-hmm. do this, he was going to be around Trey. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like I was the one that didn't want to be friends with him, knowing that I was just like him. Right. So we ended up making mutual friends with the female, and since then, like, we've been inseparable. He's been one of the most loyal people that I've ever met. And, um, yeah, so I would say at first I felt like I had to distance myself to protect who I was and to protect you know, uh, having to let my parents find out because I just knew, and when I said earlier, I think I said I had to play it to my advantage. I knew if they would have found out, they would have tried to, you know, take this away from me, take that away from me. Right. I feel like they would have made me become sheltered, and I didn't want want, want that. So, therefore, I, I distanced myself. But when I became friends with Trey, just like everyone else loved Trey, my parents did too. Mm-hmm. So it was just crazy. Maybe it was just the spirit, but... 
yes, I did distance myself for uh, some time. Okay. Yeah, I, and I and I really, you know, that's the question I'll, I'll, I'll ask everyone that that ends up doing the series um, is because you know I try to draw from my own experiences, and I know for me, I definitely, no matter what people may have thought, no matter what people may have pondered and and wanted to ask or felt like or tried to call me out or whatever, I always try to maintain this never macho um, macho attitude or never trying to be an alpha male, but just trying to let people know, oh, I'm attracted to females. Like, I'm just like you guys. I just don't play sports. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. You know, you know, I'm that type of guy, but I'm, I'm, I still like, like females. And so that for me, that's what I was doing. But what I realized, once I look back at the situation, you know, and I, did, I dated females and I was attracted to some females. I had sexual, you know, relations or experiences with, you know, a certain female who, you know, was my girlfriend for like four years. And some people look at me like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. But I know for me, the reason why I ostracize and, and, and my cousin and one of my very good friends today, who is James, who's Tony Braxton's assistant, you know, like we grew up together and that was like kind of like my best friend, but that was also my cousin. But he was very flamboyant. He was a cheerleader. He didn't care. And he was the only one, like, at home I would, around our community, I would hang around with, right? But in school, I mean, in school it was kind of like, you know, everybody hanging around, like you said, your friend, everybody kind of hanging around, so it wasn't that thing. But I realized, like, and he told me about it years later, like, I know that you're trying to keep who you are from everybody else. And I think what happens is when, when we as gay men or gay women, you know, um, try to ostracize or try to distance ourselves, it's because we are so afraid of those people pulling pulling that out of us, you know, and and because that's that's what we we are really comfortable with, and we notice that comfortability with other people that are really more comfort, comfortable or fluid with who they are, but we don't really want to, we don't want to go there just yet. And so for me, you know, I I know I ostracize and distance myself from the gays, you know, for a, for all of my, all of middle all of high school, I do not want any parts of that. Um, but now I do talk to them. Like the same games that, you know, <laughs> I was distancing myself from are the same ones that I, that I you know, um, I, talk, I, I may share pleasantries with um, when I see them. So, Pierre, and we'll, we'll wrap this up so we can go, you know, further, but I do have a few other questions for you. If you can go back in time and do anything differently as it relates to you coming out, um, what would you change, if anything? Um, honestly, um. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, I um, think I played it to my advantage because I knew that how he was going to react, and I did. I've always want. I told myself if he ever acts, oh, I had got to a point. I'll say that when I was living my adult life and I started to work, I said if he was to ever ask me, I'm going to be honest. I just didn't ever want to just come out and tell him. So I never mm-hmm. really had to like, hey mom, I'm gay, or hey dad, I'm gay. You know, uh, and honestly, you know, after so many instances, they still took it by surprise. You know, like I said, I had the friend. My, I was a freshman in high school, and that um, happened with him, and they knew we hung together every day. And I want to say they asked me then, and I was like, no, you know what I'm saying? Um, okay. They didn't question it again. My best friend, Detroit, when we became friends, uh, they never questioned me. So it was like I feel like they were in denial you know, to a certain extent, because I've always tried to keep, like, someone like myself in my corner. Yeah, I've had some macho friends and had friends that had kids in high school, but 
I've always tried to keep that one person. And honestly, even when we made friends, I didn't tell him directly. I knew um, he was, but I didn't just come out and say, um, hey, Trey, I'm, I'm gay too or something like that. Mm-hmm, he actually mm-hmm. was pondering through my phone one day and found out. Um, and I ended up telling him. It was crazy. But, yeah, I ended up telling him that way. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Um, anything. Yeah, because I, I, I knew how everything would go down being that, you know, you learn people when you're around them. I knew how my father would react. I knew how he would feel. But I knew that there would come a time because I knew I wasn't going to live in, um, I wasn't going to live in the closet too long because I started to live life and I started to be happy. I started to feel a way that I've always wanted to feel. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I couldn't let him hold me back from living in so many words. Gotcha. Two more questions. Do you feel, because we talked about social media and then how, you know, that affected you in regards to the MCM and then your father kind of going on Facebook and, you know, seeing that and, you know, comedy, all that kind of stuff. So do you feel that social media has made it easier for people, for people to come out, especially to family members? Um, I would say yes. Um, okay simply because um, I'll use my relationship for an example. Um, I don't feel like I, you know, once my parents found out in so many words, I don't feel like I didn't feel like to say, hey, I'm gay. I, 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 didn't, I didn't have to deliver that message. And honestly, that's not like the message that I want to deliver. You know, um, I just started posting pictures, you know, me and friends or, or me and my boyfriend. You know, this is actually my fourth relationship ever but he's the only boyfriend to, like, make social media. Like, he was the one. You know, I loved him that much, you know, that mm-hmm. I was willing. I didn't care who saw it or what, what. I didn't care what no one had to say. And, you know, with time, you know, my aunts, uncles, other high school friends, you know, they just caught on. And that's how I wanted it. Because, one, I don't owe anybody anything. Well, so if you were to ask me, I'm not going to lie and say no because I'm beyond that point in my life, you know, but. I don't feel like I'm just obligated to say, hey, I'm gay. This is my boyfriend. This is my life, and I don't care how uh-huh. you feel. I can just show right. you, you know, right. this is what I'm doing, you know. So I feel like social media has made it easier because you got to think about it. I would have to tell this person and that person. Yeah. This person would have been gossiping about it. But me yeah. simply posting pictures with my boyfriend or simply posting my pictures with my friend that's a transsexual or a drag queen is it's mm-hmm. very understood. So, right. People think it's a bad thing, but I think it was a great thing. So, well, I I always feel like if if people learned how to mind their business and really understand, and it's really hard when we come, when we come from areas that are very small, um, and 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 that I always say that country mentality. Those people that have not been able to broaden horizons and see all of what the world has to offer, they'll always be in that mind you know, in that mindset or whatever, or whatever. But if people just mind their business and, and be happy that you're happy, that's all that matters. I can't, you know, like my grandmother used to say all the time, I can't give an account for what you do. You can't give an account for what I do here on earth. You know, we still live as individuals on this earth, you know, no matter who, who we are surrounded by, and that we, as long as we're living our best self, we're not hurting or harming nobody else, nobody, nobody should have, you know, be of concern of what I'm doing in my bedroom. And for, to be honest with you, it goes far beyond that. I don't care what a straight couple does in their bedroom. That's your business. You shouldn't care what me and mine do in the bedroom. That's my business. You know, just know that 
you know, I love him, we, we, we're happy, we, whatever, and, you know, move on with life. Um, so last piece, last piece I have for you, Pierre, or I'm sorry, I call you Pierre. To Carlos, <laughs> last question for you. Uh, what advice would you give to those people out there that are still contemplating, or not even going to say that are still, that are contemplating uh, coming out? or even just scared to come out. Because I think people forget that even while we're in 2017, on the brink of 2018, there are still people, especially depends on what regions of the U.S. that they're in or countries, you know, that they're in or whatever, there are still people that are contemplating. There are people that are still scared to come out. So what advice, if any, would you give to those individuals that will be listening to this podcast? Um, I would have to be I would have to say be smart about it. Um, as I stated, you know, I, you know, I've always been kind of intelligent. I've always kind of like took took note of everything, and you know your surroundings, and you know how people are going to react before they even react. That's how I feel, you know, because when you come out, you're pretty much coming out to family first, and if you feel like it's going to hurt you, wait. I understand that people want to live free. Um, oh, can I use an example real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Because I was going to ask you, is there anything you want to say that you haven't shared? Go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 like, I have younger cousins, you know, and they came out younger. And the things that they had to endure, like, I had a cousin, um, his mom put him on punishment, like, when he was, like, 10th grade, and he didn't get off till he was, like, getting ready to go to college. He couldn't do nothing but extracurricular activities, you know, that um, – he did at, at school, but no, like, outside life. He was very sheltered. Um, I have an even younger cousin now that is just, like, in middle school. He just came out, and, um, like, his mom trying to send him off, like, to, like, a, some type of, like, some type of school. Like a diversion. Yeah, and what closed-minded individuals don't understand is that's not going to change anything. You know, it, mm-hmm. this is a feeling this is a feeling, and then, I don't know, it's something that we can't suppress, and right. I think society needs to realize that it's nothing that we can't suppress. It's, it's who we are, so my advice is to be, just be smart about it. You know, I don't know. It's like I know so much, I've seen so much, so if you're going to put yourself in a, a, a situation where you know that your family is going to shun you, and you're going to have to, you know, live, quote-unquote, off the gay community, and you may end up with a disease or anything. Just be smart. Don't just, I, I want to be gay and proud. You know, if you still have parents, respect your parents. Um, there will come a time where you can be independent and be who you are. So I just say be smart about it. I won't say just go be free, you know, you know, show your pride. No, cause mm-hmm. that, all, that don't work for everybody. So yeah, I, smart about no, it. Go ahead. No, yeah, I, I mean, like you said, you know, be be, be smart about it. And 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 I and I I'll say this as I say with any with just with careers period but I but I'll say it I'll say the same with in like career and advancement and all that kind of stuff but I'll say it as it relates to what you just said being smart about it you know setting yourself up for success you know it's just like if you know that you want to move somewhere you have to save money you have to save money in order to move I I want to move you know I live up here in the New York area you know um, if you want to move up to New York and you come from a little town. You know that you have to save money. You know that it's expensive. You know, you know you have to survive. You know, if you want to move into your own place or whatever, and you come from living with your parents, and now you're 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 
you're getting grown, you know, you're getting old, up, up in age, and you say, hey, I want to be able to live on my own. You know that you need to secure a job. You know, you need to be stable. You need to have, you know, while you're getting income, you need to save. You don't need to spend it all because you want this, your, your, you want your own apartment. No matter if it's $400, $600, whatever it is, you know, you want that. And so with going along with what you're saying, with being smart about it, especially if you're still in the home or whatever, you know, I, I don't want you to be, like, sneaking, even though I don't want you to feel like you have to suppress it so much that you just really cannot be you. But you definitely don't want to be in a compromising position to where you are put out on the streets because there are still parents out there that are disowning their kids. You know, it's, it's a sad, it's unfortunate, but people are, are still doing it. And, and I don't want to say don't live in your truth and, 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 and walk around like you betrayed or you're a hard boy or whatever, but I think at this this day and age, it's not about trying to be someone that you're not. It's just at this point, if you're being, if you're up under the roof with your your parents, and you know that, hey, I can't get out right now. You gotta set yourself up. Go ahead and start making a plan, you know, and also being respectful of it. So being respectful of your parents. So that means don't sit here and you know you're on the phone knickknacking and paddywhacking with a boy on the line, and your mom can pick up the phone or you know, retail, whatever, like, don't just be disrespectful about it. You know, you may have to sneak off a little bit and do your thing, thing, whatever, but you, but if that's what you got to do for another six months, then do it. You know, be respectful at that point. Because, again, everybody's not as accepted. We've learned that now just from listening to you, Carlos, that, you know, you have a father who still not have come around all the way 100%. So just, you know, like you said, be smart about it, be safe about it, you know, because depending on where you are, it may not be as accepting as um, as where maybe I live or where may, you know where wh- whoever's listening may live. So um, thank you so very much. I mean, you're 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 free to go or you're free to stay on and, and, and listen to our next our next guest. But I definitely appreciate you. Um, and uh, guys, if you have any questions for Carlos, you know, make sure anyone that are listening, make sure you know hit me up and I'll make sure that he gets those and then he can um, provide you with some more information. Um, so if you guys can just hold the line for me, I'll, um, I'll play a little snippet um, of a PSA, which is freedom of speech, cause that, because, of course, we all have the freedom of speech, say whatever we want to. So I'll play this little PSA, freedom of speech, and then we'll come back with our uh, next and final guest in regards to the coming out series. So just hold for me, please. Speak up, because you can. Your mind is a powerful tool, and so is your freedom of speech. So use it. It's what separates you from being a number to being an individual. Thoughts, beliefs, opinions, it's what makes you, you. Stand proud and say it loud. Know your rights. Know your freedom to speak. This message is brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters, Education Foundation, and the Broadcast Education Association. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Talk with Micah. And this is your girl, T.S. Madison, yes, God, honey, Miss Nui, 22 inches herself. Remember, ladies, if you ain't rocking 22 inches or better, bitch, you're practically bald. All right, and we are back. Thank you so very much, T.S. Madison. And we'll be having some more blurbs and promo material from her um, very, very soon. Um, thanks for staying in the loop and hanging with us. Uh, no matter if you're in your car listening right now at the gym or home sipping on some wine like I am, um, I can certainly appreciate you, and thanks again for listening and supporting us. Remember that you can follow the show on blogtalkradio.com at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the talk with Micah, 
Again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash to talk with Micah. Or if you have an iPhone or you are an iTunes user and abuser, you can subscribe to the show via iTunes or through the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone device. And you can listen to all 64 published episodes. I have to say it again, 64. I'm very proud of myself. Pat on the back for that. Um, and so, again, I'm sure uh, you'll be able to have fun listening all the way from episode one to episode 64. You will drastically see the difference because growth is a great thing. Amen. All right. So let's go ahead and go to our story number two. And let's welcome our next storyteller <laughs> from Fayetteville, North Carolina, but he currently resides in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Let's welcome Demario, or let's, or also known as Rio. So welcome, Rio. Hi, Micah. How are you, darling? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was saying, um, it's, it was interesting to listen to um, Pierre's story because you never know a person's backstory. All you know is right. the glimpse that we that we that we see when we meet individuals. Right. So that was very enlightening. Right, right, right. Good. And and, and again that's that's exactly why I wanted to to um create this series because a lot of the times we don't sit and have the conversations. We've known each other for years, you know, but I, I I don't know your come out. I don't know, you know, what your background is. And I always say this, um, when it comes down to I'll take a step further with relationships. You know, and me and my um, partner, Wes, we talk about, we, we've been talking about this lately, and where I have been afraid to ask him certain things, now I'm not afraid to ask him certain things, because, again, this is a collaborative effort as a couple. And so with saying that, I will know, you know how you in, 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 um, encounter people that may be guarded to a certain extent or whatever, but you don't know where that, where that guardedness comes from or whatever. Or you may come across a person that's just, you know, all bubbly and this that, and the other, but that could be uh, that could be like a camouflage, you know what I'm saying? That could be a uniform for them or whatever. When secretly there's something else going on on the inside, and that's why that's the way that they are, you know. And so that's why I felt like, you know, with through this coming out series, we'll be able to understand more our family members, parents, whoever we able to understand where we come from and how we're feeling, and know that we are people too, and we're vulnerable, and we, you know, go through the same issues as any other person. You know, we're not, we're no we're not different. The only thing that's different about us is probably who we lay with that night. Other than that, we're we're pretty much the same. So again, I want to welcome you for um for joining in and telling us your story. So if you want to go ahead and start, you know, give us a little bit of information about you, where you're from, you know, how you doing, what's going on with you, and then start out, you know, letting us know. You know, how did you figure out that you were um, attracted to the same sex? Okay. Well, um, my name is Demario, but I go by the name of Rio. Um, originally from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Currently active duty Navy, which brought me to Virginia Beach. I've um, been in the Navy now nine years. It'll be 10 next July. Oh, wow. Coming out. I got three coming out stories, actually, especially with me entering the Navy during a period. Mm-hmm. Don't ask, don't tell was still in that place. But um, starting back back when I realized that um, I was gay is basically when I first started having erections as a young teen. And I went to my grandmother, who's now deceased, and I asked her, I said, what does this mean, like, when this, like, just pokes and whatever? So she explained, explained to me about hard-ons and what, what was happening. So she asked me the question. She says, well, when do you get them? And I said, when I'm watching TV, and she said, what What do you be watching on TV? And I said, I'll be watching guys and girls kiss. And when I see the guy take his clothes off, I, it, it does it. And she said, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. So, 
Yeah, so at that point, um, I told my grandma that. My grandma told me, she said, I just want you to know that I, I love you regardless. And this was back when I was young. My grandma never said anything to me about gay, nothing. But she said, I love you regardless. You're, you're amazing. You're going to grow up and you're going to do great things. She passed away the very next year. Um, but I knew right then and there, after having that conversation with her, as far as her ex, after her explaining to me what happened um, or what was happening with my body right then and there, that the attraction to men was there. And I knew that that was a normal as far as for guys. But um, fast forwarding um, to me being grown, I hit 18. I joined the Navy right, at, right after boot camp. Prior to me uh, joining the Navy, my senior year of high school, every year, my freshman year, sophomore year, and junior year, I would have a girlfriend. I always had a girlfriend. I stayed with a girlfriend. Uh, senior year I come, I didn't have a girlfriend. So my mom, my father was incarcerated at the time. My mom asked me a question. She says, you know, you haven't brought any girls around. Like, what's going on? Like, where, where's Santana, which was my ex-girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And from 10th grade, she asked me, where's Ebony, which was my current girlfriend that had just really disappeared. Um, <laughs> really disappeared in that moment. And I was like, you know, I'm good. I'll never forget, it was a day that my father asked me on the phone when he, he made his phone calls. He asked me on the phone, he said, um, hey, your mom told me that you weren't bringing girls around the house. You know, is there something you want to tell me? And I said, no, there's nothing I want to tell you. So this was back in my senior year. So fast forward, after boot camp, graduate basic training, I go home for the two weeks of leave. Um, my mom at the time had a car that she had bought for me back when I was in high school. So I was going to drive around to see my friends, whatever case is. I actually went to a gay club in Fayetteville called Rainbow at the time. <laughs> I, didn't know that the, I didn't know that the club was owned by my father's best friend. So, oh wow! So I was standing in line with my with my girl with my like basically with my sister, someone I grew up with, and she kept asking me. She's like, "Rio, I think he's trying to get into you. Like, I think he wants you." This guy is looking at you, and I'm like, "What is going on? Like, why is this guy?" Saying? I said, "I don't know him," uh-huh. and because my dad. I so, so you didn't. So you didn't know your dad's best friend. Well, I knew him, but see, what happened was he had got locked up. So when I knew him okay. back when I was when I was little, he was real puny. And, you okay. know, this guy, um, real buff, like, looking like The Rock. like So it was just okay. like, oh, I don't know this guy. Right. So the whole time I'm standing in line, security chased me. He he looks at me. As I as I get closer to him, he, he just kind of, like, makes his facial expression, like, what the fuck? Um, so it was just like, wow. So anyways, then very next day, that was Saturday. So Sunday, he seen my father and my older brother in the car. He flagged them down at a, flag, uh, at a red light, pulled my daddy over, and told my dad, you'll not believe who I seen last night. I seen your son. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't know nothing about this until later on that night. So my mom had felt some type of way because I wanted to go to a party and I wanted to hang out the whole time I was on leave. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, it was weird. So anyways, I ended up, me and my mom got into it. So th- this particular night, I told my I, I told my older sister, I said, I feel like mom is going to take my car because I'm not listening to her. She keeps asking me where I'm going and I'm not telling her because at the time I was hanging out. So I was hanging out at C- uh, CC's back then. We had CC's mm-hmm. Friday, so I was I was going there. Friday, that was a good night. That was a good night. Yes. <laughs> Fridays I went to Spectrum with my with my with my people. Saturday I was at Rainbow. Sunday I was back at Spectrum. So I was all over the place, and I was really like stepping into this freedom that I was just like, wow, I'm in the Navy now. And I think a part of fear of my coming out was I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure I had me taken care of before because I was I was scared of how my father. But react. I just knew that my mom would be the one to accept it, but it, it was completely opposite, and I'll get to that. Um, make a long story short. So anyways, my, I told my sister, I said, I need to go get a car. So me and my sister went and bought a car. 
we hit it at my sister's house. I get home that oh. that same night, and my mom took my car keys. As soon as I put them down on this, the thing, and I'm just like, what's going on? So I go down, I was like, did you just take my car keys? And she makes the comment. She said, yeah, I know about you, and I know about you. And I'm like, what do you know? Like, what what, what I do? So I was like, don't, 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 don't uh, fake the funk, you faggot. I know, I know about oh. you. I'm just like, whoa. So my heart at that moment dropped. And anybody that know me, my mother is like my my rock. So mm-hmm. there ain't too many people in this world that can say something to me and they actually have weight. But my mom said that, right. and I swear, all I could do was, like, I, I held my heart. I felt like my heart was in my hand. So my mm-hmm. father comes upstairs like, yeah, yeah, I heard too. I heard too. How you going to disgrace the family? You doing good. You out there, da, da, da. Now you going to catch AIDS and all this other crazy stuff. So I just start crying mm-hmm. and I start throwing stuff, so I, go, I run upstairs, I said, fuck this, I'm out of here, so I called my older sister, and I was like, oh, I called my best friend, her, her name is Devin, I called her, I said, hey, I need you to come pick me up, she said, I, said, I, I, I need you to pick me up, take me to my older sister's house, I bought a car, I just need to go pick my car up, my mom and my dad knew nothing about my car that I had just bought, um, I go to the car, I buy this car, as I'm, and I told my father, and my dad was like, so where are you going, I said, I went and bought a car today, and I just I want to come back and get my stuff. He's like, well, you're not getting no stuff. My mom comes like, you're not getting nothing out of this house. And all my clothes, my judge, I'm out of basic training, so all my clothes at my mom's house. So I'm just like, what the worst? So at this point, it's like I was sad, I was depressed. But at that moment, I was like, you know what? I gotta be strong. So I told my mom, I was like, you know, hey, look, we're gonna do this one or two ways. Like either you can, like either you can do this the adult way and let me get my stuff, or we can just call the police. It doesn't matter. Mm. So I said that, what her case is, and um, I ended up leaving. I'm going to get my car. That was in 2008. That was December 2008. Me and my mom, my father, we ended up talking the very next. After that, I pretty much loaded my car up, and I punched it to Maryland because at this point I had to report to my first duty station. So it was in Annapolis, Maryland. I had never drove long distance. My mom my dad was supposed to drive with me. I had never drove long distance. You didn't, you didn't get to have that experience that you were, that you were supposed yeah. to have. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So my mom and my dad was supposed to go with me. They supposed to help me move in. They were supposed to like, look, look what's going on. Me, my captain, do all this other stuff. None of that ever happened. So I ended up going to Maryland. So my father called me. That was on a that was on a Sunday. My father called me on that Tuesday. He said I want to talk to you. Um, well, he did call me that night and make sure I made it safe. But he actually said I want to talk to you. So we sat on the phone. My father's big thing was he was upset that when he asked me years ago or he asked me earlier that year, I, he thought as though I lied and I didn't. I told him I said technically. Homosexuality is engaging in the same sex, a sexual encounter, in sexual encounters with the same sex. I had not done nothing with a guy, nothing whatsoever. So I said no. I didn't. In that moment, I wasn't. My mom completely flipped after I told him. I explained that to my dad. My dad became like my 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 advocate. My mom right. me and her did not talk for me and my mom didn't have our first conversation until June thirteenth, two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. And um, we talked. So my story, I guess what about six months later? Yep. Okay. It, was, it was very awkward. Uh, I really felt like I was talking to somebody for the very first time, and it was so weird because me and my mom was like best friends. My mom, I was like my mom's go-to child, so if she wanted to go somewhere. I was the one she called on, whatever. So, yeah. So that went. I went through that with them. I think the main thing with that was, like I said before, it was just more so. I grew up in a Christian family, and it was more so like you know they shunned it, and it's like my family was the type of people they follow suit. So if one generation said, we don't do this, mm-hmm, we don't do that, mm-hmm. no one ever took the time to stop and educate or to teach why we're not doing this. It was always, you don't do this, you're not going here, you don't do this. So right. with me, it was more so, okay, I know this is not right according to what I was raised up as, but, however, this is who I am. And for me, I, I take pride in my story because I was the turning point for everyone in my family because it was three other people that came out of my family after mm. I stood my ground and went through that. 
But wow. fast forwarding to the third coming out story, um, anybody that know Don't Ask, Don't Tell was very serious. I actually was, when I was in school, after basic training, I went to A school, and I was in there with five individuals that we were like the Fantastic Five. And four, or no, three of them to this day are put out or discharged for homosexual acts. And it was only it's only two of us remaining, um, and that was over nine years ago. So I take that coming in the military is very scary because when I checked into Annapolis, there was a chief. Um, uh, there was a chief. I'm not gonna say his name, but there was a chief who who did not like blacks. He did not like gays, and I was both. And at the time, it was very unspoken. I never spoke on anything or the cases, but I mm-hmm. guess from my demeanors and the way I was carrying myself, he could tell. Right. Uh, many people don't know I was actually married to a female in 2009. Um, so once, when I checked in, I checked in with him, I did my little in-briefing, he told me, he said, you're not going to make it. And I said, what What do you mean, Chief? And he was like, you'll find out, you'll find out when you get sent home. So I'm like, wow, what is going on, da, da, da. And I thank mm-hmm. God for this. It was another Chief, it was a black female at the time. I thank God for her because she pulled me to the side, she said, little baby, let me explain this to you. And she said, just like that, she said, little baby, let me explain this to you because she was a stud. And she okay. said, you are, you're smart, you're going to make it very far. She said, but I'm telling you now, you need an alias and you don't need nobody in your business. Mm. And I said, what do you mean, Chief? She said, trust me, it'll make sense later, but just mm-hmm. take this. You need an alias, and you don't need to make you don't need to make uh, nobody aware of your business. So mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I thought about it, I thought about it, I thought about it. And then at that point, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. So my Facebook at the time remained Rio Stack. It was actually Rio, uh, Rio Star Stack, Rio CDG Stack, all these different aliases. Mm-hmm. All from being able to easily identify me. Right. Um, because at the time I, I, I began the ballroom scene, I was voguing all over, I was traveling from state to state, um, and I was making a name for myself underground, so it's like it was only a matter of time before I ran across somebody that knew somebody. So I, I hid that for the longest. When I got married to Ebony, um, the chief came back to me and he said, so you're still at it, and now I'm, mm. I'm, I'm back at it. You're going to get sent home. That is my mission. Oh, and wow. I tell people, like, in the military it was really tough because – Anybody was out to get you, like anything that you chose to do, it, it was out to get you. So I had to be cautious and, and modest in what I put out, what I told people. Every day I would have people come to me, hey, where are you, where are you hanging out tonight? Let, let's hang out just to get close to me to figure out what I was doing, where I was hanging out at so that they could identify and, and right. uh, classify me as gay. So those are mine. Ooh, okay, so how do I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very intense. I, now, I will say I want to think about some things that you talked about, one thing being the, the CCs and the rainbow and spectrum and all of those things. Um, the reason why she was like, why is he saying yes and all that kind of stuff is because um, when I, coming up, you know, I'm about to be 36, as the guys on this line knows, but, you know, I'll be 36 next, next week, December 21st. But when I came up or whatever, like, well, not even that. My dad was stationed in Fayetteville, North Carolina. My dad lived in Spring Lake, okay? It was, it was State of Spring Lake. I mean, yeah, State of Spring Lake, Station Fort Bragg. As you know, Rio, they are all intertwined, connected. Fort Bragg, you know, Spring Lake, and Fayetteville are all right there. And so um, I, would always go, I would always go up there or whatever. Knew, knew nothing about the gay scene or whatever as, you know, in high school and going for, like, the summer break and the winter break or whatever. But, like, my first year being a freshman in college, then going to Charleston Southern in South Carolina and coming up for winter break, I was, by that point, I was gay. 
You know, I was like, honey, I got to find, let me find a gay club, all this kind of stuff. And I heard of those those places. I was never able to go, but I've always heard about CC's. And I, I, I brought up James, my, my best, I mean, well, one of my very good friends and my cousin. Um, he has been to all of those, you know, so he can definitely tell you. But that, when you talk about CC's and Rainbow and, and Spectrum, I was like, oh, yeah, baby, I, I, had, I had heard that there was some good times back then um, at those clubs. So as it relates to just growing up, um, you know, with your grandmother, let's say we all hold our grandmothers in high regard, you know, the acceptance of your grandmother, like just, like how did that just really feel for you? Did that give you your, like, aha moment, like your, your moment to say, you know, no matter what, I know that I'm going to have her support, and then until she passed away, that's kind of like how you felt, or, or just like what, what did that feel for you, just having her support or her thumbs up on that? It was, it was a, uh, it was like a shield. Like at that point, for me to come to my grandma was something that I felt, and even to this day, I feel like like parents should really teach. That should come from a parent, and it's no dagger to my parents. But I feel like a parent, like a dad, should tell his sons about erections. A mother should tell her her daughter about periods and 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 mm-hmm. uh, vaginal secretions. I feel like that should come from a parent. So the fact that I opened it up to my grandma and she held that. Between us, she never went and, and expressed that with anyone else. I felt like, like, wow, this is like, like a rock. Like this is my my protection. So at this point, anything I tell her, anything I'm going through, I know that this lady got me. And then, like I said, even now thinking back, then it didn't make sense to me. But now when I look back, and she tells me, you know, I love you no matter what. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you are amazing. You can you can be whatever you want to be. When I think about stuff like that, that was that was her expressing to me without me knowing unconditional love. So when I left, when when she left, it was really like I, I felt the gap, but I didn't because even in the midst of that, my mother had me. Like I said, me and my mom were like best friends. So it was just like a, a double type of protection, which I just knew that when I when the time came as I got older, that my mother would be the like like the continuation of my grandmother. My father was gonna be the one that I had to fight. Right. How? Because when you told your story, you skipped over, you know, you, you're telling your grandmother at a young age, hey, I'm getting a rich. And, and, and I want to stop and just say this to people that are listening. And when I say people, I mean like parents and, you know, or heterosexual men and women, and you know, that are out there and saying, you know, you're supposed to be with this or you're supposed to be with that, you know. Um, I'm glad that you brought the erection part up because I want people to realize that and think about it this way. As a male that's attracted to females, you get an erection and you get aroused by the anatomy of a woman as a heterosexual male. You know, you get aroused by that. That's what excites you. That's what, that's what interests you. The, 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 physique, the physique, all of that, all of that of a woman, the anatomy of a woman excites you and allows your manhood to grow and be erect. Okay? You don't, as a heterosexual male, you don't get that same excitement. From a female, I mean, from a male, from seeing another male naked, whatever, that's just not your thing. So, because it's kind of like a thing, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be attracted to. So, so as a heterosexual male, think about it on the other side. Think about what happens to a gay male that is not attracted to a female. Because, you know, while I've dated, you know, girls and you did too, and, you know, Pierre, you know, I mean, Carlos did too, or whatever, like, there are certain, and I know a lot of them that never touched a girl, never wanted to be with a girl or whatever. They get that same erection that a man gets for a woman. They get that same erection for, a ma- uh, for another male. So as parents, 
do you really want to just kind of, if, if you think about your feeling and how you knew that that's what you were attracted to, you can't take that from someone that is homosexual, that's gay or whatever. They have that same feeling it's just for the same sex. Think about it that way. And so you would rather much have your gay son or your uh, lesbian daughter, you know, be in a position where they are in a relationship with someone they are really not attracted to. And they, they, now they are engaged and they're married to the opposite sex, but they really don't even want to be with them. But they're forced to, and I know plenty, have been forced to be in that position simply and solely because of their family. And that's why you have all these DL men walking around here. You know, that's one, that's one, one way of why people are DL and don't want to come out and this, that, and the other because, they're, because of their upbringing. So I'm glad that you brought that point up in regards to erections. And I'm like, you know what, if they just thought about it that way, maybe they'll understand. You know, you don't have to accept it, but understand that the same way that you get an erection for the, for the opposite sex, we get it for the same sex. And there's no, there's no turning around for that. Um, and do you agree, Real? Are you quiet? I agree. <laughs> you agree? I do. No, um, I agree. Okay. So I, I like when you said once you came out. Well, no, no, no. Let me go back. The suppression. This is what I was talking about. Because you jump from like 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, but the, the suppression part, like when you were suppressing, when you had to suppress who you were, you know, you knew you were attracted, you told your grandmama or whatever, but you, you held this on for so long, you know, for years. How has that, you suppressing that all those years and then finally coming into who you are, did that affect you? How did that affect you growing up, if any? Or can you, if you go back and you well, think about it, do you think it, that, do you think it affected you anyway? No, so I think for me, because I'm known as the the clown of the family, I'm known okay. as the goofball. So I think that a lot of the a lot of things that that a tradition or a typical uh, guy, as far as mannerisms, demeanor, mm-hmm. you know, uh, characteristics and things like that, I feel like got overlooked with me because I had already established myself as the as the family's clown. So gotcha. they knew if I wanted to put on a wig or run around the house and act like Whitney Houston or just do something crazy off the wall. That was just who you were. That was your, that, yeah. expected to come from me. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So a lot of the things I was able to kind of like, you know, just me being like even if like, my feminine characteristics, just things like that, I was able to camouflage with who I was to my family. Okay. So I think me being goofy played played a big part in in me being able, just me being carefree and me being just just living openly, not not I'm having to be conscious of what I do. So with you being in the military, and thank you for your service, going on ten years. Um, congratulations for that. Uh, with you. you being in the military, and now it's, it's, it's not the necessarily don't ask, don't tell. Like, how is it being in the military now and being you know? Because you're are you what twenty six or twenty five? No, I'm 28 now. 28. Ooh, see, see what I'm saying? The time goes by so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I think, yeah, you, you're still young, right? But you, you are still young. You know, in, uh-huh. in eight years, you're almost old. But, uh, but with with the military now, like, how is it? You know, after the the don't ask, don't tell, and all that kind of stuff. Like, is it still hard for you? Is it is it more accepting, or do you still feel like you have to? For those higher ranked officials within the in the military, do you feel like you still have to have some type of macho alpha male about you? One thing, one thing I tell people is, um, you can uh, the world, you can change society all day long. You can change 
you can change everything. Like you can change policies, you can change these procedures, you can change protocol, but you cannot change a person's perception or a person's beliefs on something. And I tell people this: like even with these policies in place to to quote unquote protect, quote, protect us. Mm-hmm. Um, homosexual and LGBTQ members or active duty members, you cannot change the way a person feel about it. So I give you an example. When I was on recruiting duty, it wasn't the best tour. I had a, a command master chief. He did not like blacks. He did not like gays. Um, I tell people like one thing about me is I don't care where I report to, where I work for, my work ethic and my appearance, and me who as a person and as a leader, it speaks for itself. But I do tell people you have to be my. The thing is, yes, we can live who you are, but the reality is, do you really want to? Because mm-hmm. do you really want to be that that openly that flaming, that flaming or feminine? I'm not even gonna say flaming. I'm gonna just say feminine guy that that works for a master chief who don't like gays. Mm-hmm. Versus, do you want? And I'm not saying and it's, it puts you in. A, sometimes it puts you in a bad area because, or a great area because at, at this point it's like, okay, do I want to be who I do? I want to be who I am, or do I want to play the part because? I want to make it in this. Da, da, da. Me personally, I want to. I want to do twenty years, and I know that that my career ultimately can sit in the hands of these individuals who may mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. this lifestyle. So my thing is, mm-hmm. I have to play the part. I'm not. I'm never gonna not stand up for what's right, or never right. not live to be who I'm going to be. But you, sometimes you put your, you are found in those situations, especially when you're higher ranked like myself, when you're in situations to where, hey, sometimes you just got to shut up and play the part. Because once I get to where I want to, then I, I plan to be the voice for that young guy that don't have to tread lightly and walk like he's on pins and needles so that he can be flaming gay and still get what he deserves. And and, and, I, and I love that. And, and I say that you can, even though, even though I'm not in the military, Carl's not in the military, and, and a lot of people that will that be listening aren't, aren't in the military, but look at it as though when you, go, when you go to work, you know, when you go to work, you go to work because uh, you need to make those coins. And when you sign your paperwork or whether when you're going into a career most times, you have to sign paperwork, you know, or whatever. When you're doing a little job, you know, not knocking people with jobs, you know, because people with jobs, I, I feel like I still find themselves. You know, you have a little something here and there, but, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. But when you go into that career my friend, when you're working for a corporate, you know, when you're working for the military or whatever, there is a certain standard that must be upheld, period, point blank. And you you go to work to do whatever that job is, and we all know if you, especially if you want to go up within the ranks, you got to play the game until you are the master of that game, until you hold all the cards or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And some a lot of companies now they're more accepting and you know all this and all that, but you don't go to work to play and to sashay around the 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 office or the office space or whatever. You know, you go to do your job, the job of which you've been hired to do. When you go outside of those doors, then you do and you be whoever you want to be. And we're not saying go in there and be macho man, you know, uh, feminine woman when you know you're not, but just go in there and do your job, you know. And, and that's why I tell anybody, this. just go in there and do your job, and when you go home, you go home and you, you play in your car, you play at home, you play with your friends, but when you go to work, you go there to do a job. And, and that's what I have to say about that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, for, for me, one one good rule of thumb that I, I use, and I actually have, I have uh, probably six proteges, and two of them are LGBT, very young. But like I tell them, and the one thing that I live by, when I put this uniform on, I am petty officer. I'm not real stack. I'm not real blue. I'm not real garçon. I'm mm-hmm. not none of these things. I I am a petty officer in the United States Navy. I'm here mm-hmm. to complete a mission. I'm here to lead a troop. 
report to 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 completion of a mission. So mm-hmm. that's the rule of thumb that I have, and that's how you have to look at it. Like I tell people, I don't care who you are when you come out the doors. You can be a garçon, you can be a Sanchez, whatever you want to be. You can be mm-hmm. Mr. Continental, whatever. That stops when you enter. When you put that uniform on, all of that stops. Yeah. And if you and I tell everybody, you live by that, you'll be good. You'll be go to uh, very good to go. Since coming out, and thank you for that advice um, for for the listeners. But since coming out and accepting yourself as a black homosexual man, um, what have you learned about yourself over the years? Since coming oh, out, wow. what have you learned about yourself? One thing I learned about myself is, uh, but one thing I learned about life from myself is it's not what you do, it's how you carry yourself. And I say that because I have uh, a lot of mentors in very high places who respect me, and they know that I'm openly gay. But they, the level of respect is still there. And the number one thing that they say is you're so professional, and you leave, you separate that from your, your professional life, and, and they love it. And that's one thing that, that life has taught me through. But another thing I learned about myself is uh, if, I, if I say I'm going to get it, if I say I, I, I've learned that I'm a threat, because people know that if I say it out of my mouth, I'm going to get it, or I'm going to do it. It's going to be done, or it's going to be, it's going to be God. And I know that a lot of individuals, especially in professional environments, they envy that because they see the dedication and they see the persistency. Pierre, if you Carlos, you know I, I call him this on the phone too. If you, are you still here? Is he still here? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. Here. I, I want you. To, I want you to answer that question too. Since coming out and accepting yourself as a black homosexual man, what have you learned about yourself over the years? Um, I was just thinking of that. Like, it was so noted of what Real said. <laughs> it's, it's not what you do. It's how you carry yourself. So I think yeah. he hit it, like, spot on. Because as soon as he said that, it stuck. So okay. I couldn't put it in no better words, honestly. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. What would you like to see change in our gay community? And it can be anything. Uh, simply more acceptance. Um, like, um, I think I think her name is Lena, but she did like this little ad that was on on Facebook, and she was like, "We are here." She was talking about transsexual women, but I'm just gonna uh-huh. speak on the LGBTQ community as a whole. Uh, we're here, and we're in your face, so it's no other choice. You can't just like kill us. You kill us, you're going to jail. So you really you, you might as well just accept us. You know what I'm saying? We're harmless individuals. Yeah. And, um, we're human, just like everybody else. So treat us as such. So that's that's all I can really say. Okay, thank you. And and go no, no, And then we we uh, want you to answer, and then I'm gonna share my little quick little story, and then we'll be done. Go ahead. I just want. I, I really wish that the world would get to a point where where it's more understanding. And this goes mm-hmm. back to what me you stated earlier. At the end of the day, for real, I don't care what no one says. As far as my attraction, I didn't choose to be attracted to men. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose mm-hmm. to. I didn't choose what I what I like. I, that 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 for me was natural. I know uh, a man's anatomy attracts me and arouses me quicker than a, a female's will. Yeah. So my thing is, if, if we as people will understand that things that we don't have control over, like expanding your horizons instead of you pointing your finger or or judging or turning your nose up because mm-hmm. it doesn't apply to you, understand that I didn't choose this. At the end of the day, I'm still I'm still that that go getter. I'm still everything that I was. Prior to you finding out, I still am. And even with my family, I had to express that to them. I'm still the fun-loving, goofy person that I was prior to me coming out that I am now. It's just the fact that at the end of the day, 
understand that this is who I am, this is my life, and it has nothing to do with you. Sexuality is strictly your sexual preference, and Uh me laying down with a guy should have nothing to do with anybody else Uh other than myself and the individual who I choose to lay down with. I agree. I agree. And I had something really good, and it just flew from my mind. I mean, it just flew like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'll share my – no, go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Carla. And it was something real said earlier um, when he was speaking about his grandmama. He said the unconditional love. And I can relate so much because though both of my grandmama's, grandmother's passed when I was at a young age, I just mm-hmm. know, you know, when everyone else turned their back on me, I just know if they were here, I would have that same support Rio had. And um, back to your question, if we can change one thing about the world, learn to show more unconditional love. And that's within our community as well as outside of our community. I feel that that's what we lack. You know, we deal with people and we love certain people under certain conditions. But when things are more pure and unconditional, I think everything is more easy. Love it. And while you were talking, I got it. Because I had to write it down. Uh, and my and it goes back to what Rio was saying as far as the people just understood this is who we are. We can't change these things or whatever. You know, it goes back to, I, I say this in my head, and I just wrote it down. Am I to spend my life changing who I am? Do you want me to spend my entire life changing who I am? And that's the thing that you kind of, and people that are listening and you guys too, you know, that you want, that you would say to your family, like, you know, I, you came in um, loving who you are, attracting to you who are getting aroused and erected and family, you know, whatever, by, you know, by what you like, and that being the heterosexual female, heterosexual male, and I'm just the total opposite. So you're telling me, and, and this is to the Bible thumpers out there, you know, you're telling me with all the hills and the valleys and the mountains that I'm going to have to cross over, climb, and all this kind of stuff throughout my years of living on earth, you're telling me that God of love is going to give me this one battle that, I, that you say I have to overcome all of my life. When we have battles in life, we have multiple battles, multiple wars. You know, we go through things, and each of those things we get over. But are you telling me that I have to continuously try to fight this one battle my entire life? I think not. I, I don't think that that, that, that is what – that is what he wanted for my life. It's who I am. I have now embraced it. You love me. You hate me, whatever, but that's on you. So, again, throwing it back at them, am I to spend my entire life changing who I am, you know? And, and, and that's, a, that's a profound one. See, I'll come up with some, some profound moments. Now, that was profound for me because it's like, you telling me I got to do this for, for as long as I'm here on earth fighting this one thing? Because I can remember telling you know, one of my friends, I don't know if you ever listened to this or whatever, I told one of my friends, we were in college, and, you know, I knew that he was curious. And he was curious or whatever, and, and you know, I'm like, you know what, such and such, you know, that I, and he would hang around us, go to the gay club, this and the other, but he would slowly every now and again entertain women and, and, and say that he's going to get married, and, and then me and my cousin were looking up at him like, oh, you ain't going to marry nobody, honey, you just like us, you know. And I, had, I remember telling him in his dorm room, I said, brother, I would rather much. You entertain and you kind of play with this and figure out if this is for you, rather than you get in a relationship with a woman because your parents are, are, are of, uh, you know, they're Christians, but not only that, take a step, a step higher, they're ministers, pastors, and things. You know, you do all of that, and then you're unhappy. 
and while you may have the kids and everything that your brothers and sisters may have, it is not solely who you are at the core of, at the core of your being. You know, so I would rather much you you know figure out who you are versus you get into something because of what your parents um, have put in your head or what you think that they you know want to see or whatever. And I always feel like your parents know anyway, especially your mama. So real quick, I'll share this story. Um, I, I did share on a, a previous. Um, of which I have not yet made public, so you guys may not hear it. Um, but if you follow blogtalkradio.com for session talk with Micah, you'll be able to listen to the entire story of, of, of the come out. And I think I remember when I was talking to, talking to Carlos in regards to do you feel like some people are kind of like, well, do I, did I feel, or did he feel like he was kind of forced with his father? Real quick, there was a thing, and I'm going to say it really quickly. There was a thing called prison pen pals when I was in high school. And don't ask me how I found it because I don't know. I just know that some, I don't know. Well, I think somebody in the high school, or if it was a girl or a guy, well, I think it was a girl, she was writing somebody in prison. I think I was in the 11th grade. And I was a part of the NJRTC, which is Naval Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps. I was in that for four years. And um, so I was a part of that or whatever. That was kind of one of my things, track, and, you know, of course, my you know, academics and all of those great things. And so I got into the prison pen pals. I, I came, I told my mom about it, you know, hey, mom, talk, you know, we're doing this thing, me and, you know, a few other students at school with prison pitfalls, writing, you know, prisoners or whatever, and my mom was kind of skeptical about it, like, well, I don't know what, you know, kids doing writing people in prison or whatever, but for some reason, I think my mom to this day, who she has allowed me and my brother to really kind of be who we are uh, with restrictions, but not with limited restrictions, you know, as we, as we were growing up. And so I was writing this guy, da 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 and every time that I was writing him, I was always expecting a letter from him, always would get one, and nothing ever was sexual. Nothing was ever of a sexual connotation. You know, I sent him pictures of me. He sent me pictures of him. I never really showed my mother the pictures or whatever, and, and because there was, a, there was an excitement that was there that was in me that I really, I, don't know, I already knew I was attracted to guys, but it was something that I was suppressed. But because this was a guy that was, like, a nice stature, cute, you know, attractive, whatever the case may be, there was an excitement there, but he never touched on that at all in our letters. And so one day I went to it, I had to go to a drill meet, and the drill meet happened to be at our school, of which we hosted the drill meet. This particular Saturday, I was expecting a letter, and he would always send me the letters. Like, I would get a letter from him every, it would always come every Friday or Saturday, every other week. So this particular time I get home, I go check the mail, and there's no letter. I'm like, well, damn, I ain't get no mail. And I'm telling hello? Oh, um, and his name, was, his name was, was Leroy Flanders. And so uh, I'm putting his business out there. But anyway, so his name was Leroy Flanders or whatever. So I would, you know, I was expecting these letters. I never got the letter, never got the letter. So a week went by, another week went by. So almost a month went by, no lie. Almost a month went by, and then he finally, um, oh, and then, I came home um, from another drill meet or whatever. It was a Friday drill meet. So I came home, and that Saturday, it was like overnight or whatever. So that Saturday I came home, um, and uh, my mother was cleaning. My mother's never really home on Saturdays. So, you know, she was always working. So it's a Saturday. She's cleaning. The house is expanding, smelling nice or whatever. I go to my room, and I feel like something is just off. And so, and I, and I always have these feelings or whatever, and I'm always right about them. So, when my mom, she called my name, and I was like, ma'am, and she was like, um, I need you to come in here and talk to me for a second. And when she said that, I kid you not, I immediately said, I didn't get a letter from him in almost a month. I guarantee you my mama has read these letters or uh, has read this letter. So I get in there, my mom, and she's, you know, sitting me down. She was like, 
Well, uh, I want you to read something. So she, the letter's open, and she hands me the envelope where the envelope is opened or whatever, the letter's in there, whatever, I read it. Okay. So I read the letter, and I'm so nervous, I'm shaking, I'm skimming the letter. I have, and to this day, I didn't even fully read the letter. But I skimmed it, and this was the letter. Of all the letters, if you remember what I just said about, I've never gotten any letters that would talk about sexual content, who he was, what he did on the outside as far as, you know, he's none of that. So I knew this man was straight, right? And so in this letter, this man comes out and says, okay, like, I'm gay, I fuck with dudes outside, you know, <laughs> of, you know, being in prison or whatever, and even in here, and, you know, I, the picture that you sent me, like, I, you know, he, I mean, he was aroused from the picture that I sent. Now, keep in mind, I'm like an 11th grader, like almost about to be 12th grader, so this is almost, almost um, time to get out of school. And so, of course, I was nervous or whatever, so my mom was like, hey, uh, just so you know, this is not acceptable. This man will no longer send you, um, send you um, letters. And to make it even worse, my, mo- my, my mother and father were divorced. My mother lived in South Carolina. My dad, of course, like I said, was living in Fort Bragg. My dad was still in the military at the time. My mom sent him the letter. She sent him the letter. He read the letter. And uh, he then contacted the warden of the prison. And told, so basically told the warden of the prison, this is what this 26 or 27-year-old guy is texting. I mean, it's not texting. It's he, um, uh, writing my 17-year-old son, you know, and um, sent him the letter and all this kind of stuff or whatever. The guy got in trouble, blah, 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 whatever. I was devastated. But I made a promise to myself, kid you not. Like Rio says, when he says he's going to do something, people know he's going to do it. Same thing for me. I told myself, when I get to college, I am going to make sure I send him another, uh, send him another letter to apologize and let him know I had nothing to do with that. And I did. <laughs> I did. I, 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 um, I sent him a letter or whatever, and I think it was like the worst thing I could have ever done because then he was talking about wanting to stay with me, and I was like, man, I'm just, you know, whatever. But that was a time that I felt like I was forced or I was put my back. Because my mom was asking me, are you gay? Are you gay? And I'm like, no, Mama, how am I gay? I, I'm going. I go to court, and Mom's like, I don't give a damn about that. I had a best friend who was gay, you know. And 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 like, I, I don't know which one of you guys said it, but um, and you can actually speak up. But one of you guys said something in regards to the father, or somebody saying about AIDS or HIV and getting that or whatever. I don't know which one of you guys said it, but you know that resonated because my mom had lost her best friend when I was in the seventh grade. So she lost him when I was in ninety in ninety five, I think it was seventh grade. Um, her best friend was gay, and he died of, you know, AIDS. You know, it was no HIV, it was AIDS. Straight, I mean, it just I saw him go from this to that in a matter of, of weeks. And so I think, well, I, not that I think, I know that that has always been a fear, and that's always a fear of a lot of parents, especially in the black gay community, of their kids, you know, you know going that route, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I'm hoping that people are becoming more educated about just our lifestyle and what it encompasses or whatever, you know, but I, but that was a, the first instance where I was kind of like put up against the wall, and I felt like I had to say something. But it's quite to be quite honest, I've never had to say that I was even to this day. I've never my mom has met my lover, whatever, you know. But I never had to say that. Yes, mom, I'm gay, you know, or mom, I have something to tell you. Like I never can. It was almost like my family is like an understood type of thing. What needs what's what's understood? How to say what's understood needs no explanation. 
that's kind of like what has happened. Like, they don't ask me about girlfriends anymore. They don't ask me about any of those things. They don't ask me, am I gay? It's just a thing that's understood, I, I, I guess, to them. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like the part of my, my coming out. As far as my coming out, um, and people really figure it out or find it out, you have to listen to the other um, the podcast that for, that's before this. And so that's like episode 63 um, to get the understand the full understanding. I'm, I, I talk for like 35 minutes. So you'll get all of the good stuff or whatever. But I would say, you know, ending it is that, you know, parents, and if you guys have any last words, you, you can definitely chime in before we close. But, you know, parents, I mean, just take the time out to understand your kids. And I hope that just by listening to Rio, listening to Carlos, and listening to, you know, the three others that will follow um, them, you know, uh, in, in other episodes, that you'll understand that we're all people. We, we all love the same. We believe the same or whatever. You know, we want the same. We want, we want some of the same things in life. And we're just trying to live our very best life. For the most, the majority of us are just trying to live our very best life. And I don't think that you want any of your family members, any of your friends, any of your kids, or whatever, to be able to live a life where they are spending their life trying to change who they are, not for them, but for you. You know, so accept them. If you don't accept nobody else, accept them. And there's a thing called unconditional, unconditional love. And as long as you can accept them and love them conditionally and unconditionally, that's really all that matters. Because a lot of the people that I've known over the years, of course, especially when I used to live in Atlanta or whatever, you know, they've fallen by the wayside. They've given up simply because they did not have the love and the support from their family. Sometimes that's all we ever want. If we can just get the love and support from our family, nothing ever matters. As long as our mother is accepting, our father is accepting, we're good. We don't give a damn about nobody else. And when you come, when you're, when you come up into this and you don't even have – that support and love from from who you should have it from, you know. If if you if you're not strong, if you if you don't know how to, you know, hold yourself up by the bootstraps, then you succumb to the ways of the world, and and you you die of depression, you die of other things or whatever, of, of just giving up simply because you did not have the love and support from the ones who brought you into this world. So that's something that I want the parents um, to think about and the aunts and the uncles and this and the other. Don't shun your people. Love on them because um, as we see now, people, you know, are passing away at a dying rate. And um, I do want to do one quick thing. Um, I do want to do a moment of silence really quickly um, for um, those that we've lost in 2017. Um, we've lost a lot, a, a lot. Some that come to mind is, you know, uh, um, uh, Tanisha and We've lost... Um, China Dog Dupree, you know, we've lost um, Darren Brown, a.k.a. Damien uh, St. James Black. You know, we've lost another young lady, Bianca Giselle Davenport um, Star, not too, just, few, um, just a few uh, uh, days ago. So we've lost a, a lot um, in this community. So if we can, just for, for a second, you know, let's have a moment of silence for those that we've lost in the year 2017. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And Pierre, Carlos, uh, all the names in the book. Uh, Rio, thank you guys so very much. Um, and I'll have Rio and Carlos share this particular podcast um, whenever I'm ready to release that. And, again, if you have a coming out story, make sure that you email me at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. We greatly appreciate you guys for taking the time out to listen. Um, and remember the Dear Micah series as well. If you have uh, an issue, situation, whatever it is that, that, that you could possibly think of that you would like for us to chime in on, 
and give us, you know, give you um, our unadulterated uh, commentary, truth, real, raw, and uncut, please email dearmicah at mail.com, not gmail, but mail.com. So thank you so very much. Guys, you hold the line for me, and I'll go ahead and play the closing, and we'll be done. So until next time, everyone be blessed. It's the talk with Mike and